Oh, glad to have you back. Bill Michaels show on this Tuesday. Glad to have you. Um, what do we have here? We got uh, what do you got? Some odd shark stuff out here. Odds ben to be Kenny, the next Bears head Doug coach. Doug Peterson, the former backup to Brett Favre, possibly the odds-on favorite to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. I, I wouldn't want that. I think Peterson could do some things with uh, Justin Fields. Or Nick Foles. Or Nick Foles. It would put Nick Foles and him back together, wouldn't it? Yeah, and the Bears plan to interview him, as well as Nathaniel Hackett. I saw both of those last night. Um, possibly Bill O'Brien to the Jaguars, Eric Bieniemy to the Vikings, um, Dan Quinn to the Broncos. Dan Quinn's been so instrumental in making that defense so much better down there in Dallas. Uh, for Mike McCarthy to lose him, that would be tough. Dan Quinn, though, no, I we we know he wants another head coaching job, so we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah. So there's your odds-on favorite right now to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears, Doug Peterson. Oh, by the way, the uh, now uh, Harbaugh is another guy that's been mentioned quite a bit. Leslie Frazier is being talked about again. And I can't believe Brian Flores has not been mentioned more. The fact that he's on the open market, he might be a good fit in New York to help turn that program around. Apparently, uh, he got into it with the general manager over personnel changes uh, on his staff. And he fought for his guys and ultimately it cost him his job because he said he wasn't going to change guys on his staff that they wanted him to change. And so that was what led uh, Flores to be let go down in Miami. Eric Bieniemy, uh, for a long time, has been talked about a guy that uh, I remember when he was a running back for the Cincinnati Bengals years ago. Uh, I always thought he was a really smart guy then, and then latches on as the offensive coordinator for you know um, Kansas City Chiefs. He's done a fantastic job, and there's been a lot of talk about him getting an opportunity. Leslie Frazier. I am a little surprised. Now, Leslie Frazier is going to get some run, but after hearing some things about Leslie Frazier from some of the guys that played for him, they said, look, great guy, very smart guy, but he was not a guy that you'd run through a wall for. You know, he didn't inspire that in you. Very smart football guy, but as a leader, as the head coach, wasn't that guy. Wasn't that guy. Uh, You wonder how... You wonder now that Harbaugh has had a taste of success at Michigan if Michigan in any way, shape, or form is going to let him walk. I can't imagine it. First of all, I don't think uh, a salary in the pros can touch what he could make probably in college now that some of these salaries are getting ridiculous. Job security as well. Right. He's, He's basically, the fact that he's gotten into the Final Four now and did it by beating Ohio State, um, he's got at least another seven to ten years before they would even consider. I mean, he would have to have three or four bad years in a row before they consider getting rid of him. And I can't imagine that. I actually think, and I hate to admit this, I actually think that he's as good as, if not a better coach than Ryan Day. Believe it or not. And I know that there's people, there's people in Buckeye Nation that are gasping over that. I think he's a really good coach. I just think he's an ass. I, I don't like the guy. I never have ever since he was with San Francisco, and some of the stuff that he had said, and some of the that he pulled, and 
And then obviously he left when the getting was good out of Stanford. He brought that program back to prominence. But there were some things coming down the pipeline that might not have been the best for the program. And that's when he made the jump to the pros, took uh, the 49ers to a Super Bowl, and then uh, the rest is history. But he's he's stuck to his guns. I give him credit over at Michigan. I did not think that they would get there this year, and they did. And I, but I did think, I did say at the beginning of the season, I thought if this, there's going to be a year you're going to beat Ohio State, this is it. This is a lot of change this year at Ohio State. And we'll see what Harbaugh decides to do. Um, I know that, and you're right, Robin, because he says Harbaugh took a pay cut to stay at Michigan using his NFL interest to get back up to the top of the pay grade from Michigan. Um, I, he, he took a pay cut to stay at Michigan. I get that. But looking at what Brian Kelly just signed for, Lincoln Riley just signed for, now schools are for for high end coaches. They're really going to have to pay some money. I mean, you just saw Brian Kelly sign a contract for basically a hundred million dollars in college. So Harbaugh, with the deep pockets that Michigan has, he could he could remain there the rest of his life and make more money than any professional head coach ever could. Because they don't pay head coaches in the National Football League that much money. They don't pay them. Well, they will now, but they don't normally pay them 10 to $15 million a year. Uh, 877-867-1670. I think, and by the way, Jason said if he took the Vikings job, would or should the Packers fans be scared? Well, I think the only time you're scared is if you don't have a quarterback. If he took... The Bears job, I think Packers fans will be – I think he'd be more likely to take the Bears job, obviously having ties there, than he would before he took the Vikings job. Just just my thought, but I, I – and they've already said down in uh, down in Miami that they're not – you know, Stephen Ross, the owner, is not – even though they've got really good ties together, and he's always had a fascination with Harbaugh, he said he's not going after the Michigan head coach. And it could have been where Harbaugh said, hey, don't bring my name up in any of this because I don't want to lose any recruits. So I, I'm not leaving. So, you know, don't just count me out right away, which is very possible, which would be the smart thing to do. And if Harbaugh at some point, uh, if this gets really hot and heavy and there's a lot of people talking about his name, if he's going to stay at Michigan, he probably needs to come out on a radio show or something and say, I'm telling you right now, I have no interest in going back to the NFL. Uh, anytime soon, I'm right here at Michigan, blah, 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 and then put a lot of this to bed. So you can't, because if I'm uh, out on the recruiting trail right now in any way, shape, or form, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this out there saying, hey, Harbaugh may be leaving. You may not even get this guy when you go to Michigan. I'll be using it right now. Right now. 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free to do so. We've got a lot going on today. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hour number two of The Bill Michael Show on this Tuesday. It started out frigid. I got up this morning, I saw my girl Shaniqua, got my hair cut. It was zero as I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for her to open the salon today. 
And it has been steadily going up. I'm now looking outside. It is sitting uh, sitting right at 15 degrees and on the rise. I'm liking it. Warm air blowing in. Hey, if it melts some of the snow off the Tiki Hut and I can finally go out there and uh, shut everything down uh, and get it really, truly winterized uh, for, the, uh, for the rest of the year, I'll, I'll be a happy camper. In the meantime, the Green Bay Packers, uh, they are hoping it's colder. The colder, the better for whatever team happens to come into Lambeau Field a week from Sunday. And uh, to talk more about it, Rachel Hotmayer from NBC26 joining us on the hotline. Rachel, how you doing? Bill, I'm still cold out here. I'm so glad it feels warmer to you. But we still have negative <laughs> wind chills here in Green Bay. So as long as that's the case, it's still pretty freaking cold. It is freak. And you know what? I, I'm a 65 or better all the time kind of guy. So I, I'm not a fan of the cold, but I, you just kind of like, you take the, it's like jumping into a cold pool. You just breathe in, you jump in and you're like, okay, now I'm in it. So what, what am I going to do? You know, what more can you say? So it is what it is. Yeah, but then hey. body acclimates and here I am still choking on the wind chill. Uh, yeah. You, you, well, let me ask you this. What's, uh, how long you been doing this? I have been here in Wisconsin for almost two years. And last year we had a pretty mild winter. So right. I feel like it's accurate to say this is my first true taste of the frozen tundra. But I grew up in New England, so I'm used to harsh winters. But it's very different out east. I'm used to more snowfall. I learned to drive in a blizzard. I'm not used to consistent negatives. Okay. Well, first of all, so my, my girlfriend is from the Rhode Island area. And okay. uh, grew up in uh, near Narragansett, and yep. uh, grew up in that area. So I was just there for Thanksgiving. So you're right. It's uh, when we talk about winters, they're different. It's a it's a it's a moister, wetter, yep. snowier winter on the East Coast than it is the drier, frigid, frigid type of thing here in, in this area. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent That being said, uh, do we do you think Ian Rappaport's uh, report is correct, and that we will see? Zadarius Smith on the field in the divisional round, or do you think it's probably more likely the NFC Championship round? I think the aspects of his report that are true is that he's been cleared to practice. You know, Zadarius even reposted Ian on his Instagram story, dropped a hype video. So I think on his end as a player, and probably just not publicly yet, things have been cleared between him and the team to return to practice medically. So I think that'll be a huge step forward. But I also think given the nature of this back injury, it needs to be a continued forward progress, you know, returning to the practice field, as we've seen with many injured Packers players returning this year, does not mean they are in playing shape. And especially when these are win or go home games. So I think at the end of the day, practice is an incredible step forward for a pass rusher they will need to keep winning. But Again, returning to practice does not mean playing shape, whether that means a couple rotational rounds in the divisional or we're holding out for the, champ- the conference championship. Uh, do we see Jair on the field come the divisional round? I would assume so, right? I would think so, given it seems based on timelines. He's farther along in his progress. He's been back at practice for a sustained period of time. I think this will really have to be the peak of the ramp-up period where he's taking more significant drills and stuff like that. But I would think if things are going in the right direction, he should be playing in some capacity in the divisional round. Again, but LaFleur said they have this now real, quote-unquote, good problem to have, whereas they, they have too many talented corners now, and how do you really utilize them in the right way? I was just talking to some of the beat about this last night, and personally, I covered Savage at Maryland and saw him do very well at the nickel position in his upperclassmen years, and I think that could easily be a swap that allows you to put and keep talent on the outside, like in Stokes and Jair. 
Okay, so now moving forward, the defense this past weekend was, I'm going to say, lacking a little bit. The Over the field, uh, over the middle was uh, pretty much uncovered all day long. St. Brown was able to exploit it. But what I've seen more and more is finger pointing. What I've seen more and more is guys looking semi-confused playing that soft zone. Uh, is that something that has been addressed? Is, is Matt LaFleur, and I can't remember him speaking of it specifically other than just having a little fire and brimstone in his voice after the game on Sunday, but is this something that's becoming concerning? I think internally it was an alarm bell that went off when they looked back at the tape and realized so many guys freelance and so many guys took it upon themselves to do whatever they wanted instead of their assignments. Given the nature of this defense, Do I think they probably did leave the zone uncovered intentionally over the middle? Yeah, I think that was a lack of of scheme. But I also do think it happened more often than not because guys got lazy with their routes. So I do think an alarm bell went off. But I don't know if it's from a coaching perspective. I really think it's it's a stern talking to these players of this was not your opportunity to let up and your mistakes cost this. Uh, talk about moving forward. I know that uh, getting everybody back and seemingly healthy and things seems to be really good. And we'll also see Randall Cobb most likely back on the field as well. So it, it it's almost, I, I don't want to say, you know, knock on wood or wake me up when it's over, but it's almost like it's too good to be true the way things are kind of shaping up for the Packers right now, right? Yeah, pretty much seems like it. I mean, is this part of the last dance choreography that we all saw falling into place? I don't really know. And if it is too good to be true, where's the chip that's going to fall? You know, they're finally getting some of these key pieces back to very unstabilized units. At the end of the day, we cannot predict the future. We can only talk about what's going on right now. But it, it does seem a bit like a fairy tale ending. I also wanted to ask you, uh, now I was going through this earlier, 21 teams have been in the Super Bowl since 2000. The sustained success has only been the Patriots, and mainly for the fact that once the quarterbacks get paid, the ability to put good pieces around them becomes evident. You're just not able to do it nearly as much, and the fact that Brady took less money for so many years, kept the Patriots, uh, gave them the ability to find free agents and all that kind of stuff. Okay, moving forward. Next year. Uh, And I've said this time and again, as much as we talk about whether or not the Packers want Rodgers back, I think it's really up to Rodgers. Rodgers, it's almost to the point where that he would have to just say, I'll take a pay cut, correct? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up the Brady reference because I've been saying that all season. It's at the end of the day, when you look at how quarterbacks are able to help their front office construct a team, if you are looking for sustained sustained success, you have to be willing to take a paycheck. You have to be willing to invest in yourself beyond the check that's going to be cash because you have to pay the talent around you. It is not just a quarterback league, as we've seen plenty of times, where you could have fabulous talent, but you need to build up the O-line. You need to pay these receivers, et cetera. So I'm so glad you brought up that example. But ultimately, Packers have a lot of guys that are waiting to cash and write a new contract. You know, Devontae Adams, Kevin King, Tanyan. Uh, Devondre Campbell's on a one-year. How do you not lock that down again? But surely he's outpriced himself. Dennis Kelly also, Tyler Lancaster, EQ, are they willing to resign him? There are so many questions at this point, even on both sides of the ball, that if Rodgers does want to return, if he wants to continue this chapter, whatever this chapter is titled, it would be unfair for every party involved for him to be demanding what he's worth because that simply means you are unable to continuously architect the team you've built here. They were only able to make this year happen 
by pushing off so much of it into bonuses, extended payouts, stuff like that. And that is not the Packers' financial style. It has never been, and they honestly would never like to have their books looking like that. Some teams can get away with that. It's not the Green Bay style. So at the end of the day, if Rodgers wants to keep this up, if he wants to go out with a dynasty instead of just a last dance one-year fun hoorah, you have to be willing to take a pay cut. That's the only way to make everybody stay and play. So, and uh, this is a very tough, one of those uh, good bar argument questions, but for Rodgers to have the legacy of Green Bay to be the best quarterback ever, now it's hard to get past Bart Starr in all his championships, but in the modern Super Bowl era, Starr had two. To me, if, if Rodgers, now he's got the yardage record, now, if Rodgers is going to be considered the greatest quarterback in Green Bay Packer history, he needs two more Super Bowls as a Packer, and then eventually he'll, he most likely will break the touchdown mark as well. He can catch Tom Brady still if Brady doesn't play next year. He could still catch Tom Brady over the next three to five years, and I believe he can play at least four years of quality football. So, to me, it makes sense legacy-wise to be considered the greatest if he would win at least two more Super Bowls in Green Bay. It would be hands down Aaron Rodgers. Nobody else would compare. Would you agree? I don't think I disagree, but I don't know if I'm in 100% agreement just because we see how this league works and how many talented Packers teams there have been. I mean, the past two NFC championships, they were just one step away from at least making the Super Bowl. If not winning it, they've had plenty of unlucky circumstances. You know, on, when they were talking about on the Manning cast, Giants bumping them out. Um, I think it is just tough to judge a quarterback's legacy on the entire forward progress of the team and making the Super Bowl and clinching those rings when ultimately this league is so valuable at, at so many other positions now where it can't be just a quarterback-driven league. Yes, franchise quarterbacks will still be an incredibly important position and remain that way, but I do think the balance has shifted in that there are so many other parts that mean you have to get there. You can't just have a quarterback and a team of dogs off the street. Um, there has to be more star power on the team. So I, I don't disagree with you in terms of comparing legacies, but there might be other intangibles in terms of how the game has changed and the different circumstances presented that Rodgers would outweigh Favre. Uh, is there a team that you think uh, that does not match up well with the Green Bay Packers coming in? Oh, I've, I've been looking at, you know, the playoff matchups, and I still remain high on, on what could be with the Rams matchup. I think that'd be a great game, but I also think the Packers should have the upper hand at that point going back to their previous game. I think um, the Packers logistically could win very significantly in that but I also think as we've seen the Packers this season tend to play down to their competition and lose themselves in what they believe to be matches beneath them so yeah is a great story still Cowboys of course but I do think the Packers could outmatch the Rams if they're willing to actually put their minds to it and then AFC wise when you start to look at the breakdowns is it the Kansas City Chiefs are they still the best team or is there somebody else that you're looking at I mean, even though Tennessee's the top dog, I still don't have a ton of belief in Ryan Tannehill. I still think it's a quarterback-driven league when you get to the postseason. Who you like? I completely agree with you on that, that it does take the quarterback, you know, to drive you through the postseason. And ultimately, I'm still riding pretty high on the Chiefs. That's absolutely my expectation from the AFC side of this league to end up in SoFi Stadium. And you know what? Another Rodgers-Mahomes matchup would be pretty fun, but I just don't see Tannehill pulling off that run again. Uh, now, as the Packers prepare for the uh, divisional round game coming up at Lambeau Field, uh, I know, like you said, we're going to see a lot of these guys back. It's going to be great. 
Uh, it, when the Packers take the field, do first of all, Aaron Rodgers, no toe issues, no problems. He's going to get a full week of practice. We know that. They're going to have a light walk through this week. What do you think the intangibles are? Because I think I look at a couple of guys. I look at Devondre Campbell first and foremost. I look at not necessarily the return of David Bakhtiari, but maybe Josh Myers and what he brought to the table. And then obviously getting back the healthy hop step of Aaron Jones. Not it's we can look at Devontae and we can look at Aaron and we can you know, but I think there's certain things. And if you get if you get uh, Jair back, then what do you have left with Stokes, Kevin King, Rasul Douglas? How formidable does that secondary become? I start to look at all these weapons and I start to get a little mind boggled by how much talent they actually have. Absolutely. And I think the biggest issue going into the divisional matchup, no matter who they're playing, it, the biggest issue is internally on the bat at this point, because now you have so much of the star power coming back. Some of them have been practicing for a bit, like Jair. Others, like Zadarius, have not practiced since week one. You have to make sure, as LaFleur, as every position coach in Don Hudson Center, that these units are going to be consistent in communicating every step of the way when you are adding so many variables at so many positions back into the picture. Every unit is going to have a new star coming back. You have to make sure that they are on the same page as the guys who have played 17 weeks so far and are able to perform at the same ability, communicate smoothly without a single issue at any snap. Because you see that in practice, you're going to see that at Lambeau for the divisional matchup. The team going into next season with a new head coach, whether it's the Vikings or the, or the Bears, which team in the division next year has a leg up in chasing down the Green Bay Packers, do you think? Ooh, um, hmm. I want to say the Vikings still, even though I think Kirk Cousins is the reason they have the ceiling they do in Minnesota. But I still think there's a significant amount more star power over there than in Detroit, even though I think that Detroit is gritty and is at the very beginning of what could be a great chapter for them and much needed for that fan base. But I still think Minnesota has more of its act together that they're more organizationally able to insert a GM and then a coach and kind of hit the ground running. Did you hear any of that Bears, uh, George McCaskey, any of that press conference yesterday? I did not. I heard before coming in here that there was a lot of Bears slander, and I thought we were going in the direction of I saw a lot of tweets saying, oh, Bears owner Aaron Rodgers will certainly have his input right. in their next head coach. But no, please enlighten me. No, it's just, it's just a weird deal. I mean, Georgia McCaskey still has her thumb on the organization at the age of 99, her son, George, is taking a lot of heat for all the bad moves that he's made, obviously uh, Ryan Pace and such, and, and then bringing in Matt Nagy. And he says, well, you know, the board of directors, uh, they've given me the thumbs up, which is basically his mom. You know, it, it's just, it's a weird, it was a weird press conference. It was, uh, I, I don't know, I was, I was listening to it and I just kind of scratched my head and I thought, you know, you've got mom at 99 still running the team. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Bears are going to be able to come out of this anytime soon. They, this is a huge, huge, huge hire, both general manager and head coach for this team. Because I believe Justin Fields has talent. I just don't think he's got alone the ability to take him over the top. But they've got a lot of decisions to make in what direction they're going to go defensively, offensively. And if they have any hope at climbing back into the race with Green Bay, the only thing they can hope for is Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. Completely agree. And, and again, Fields is a perfect example why I just think so much momentum in this league, obviously before the postseason, is shifting to there are more power in other positions, not overpowering the quarterback. But again, 
just shifting to what's required for a team to build this momentum and stack wins because Fields, I do think, is an incredibly talented kid, but nothing around him is set up to even help him drive the boat here. So at the end of the day, I think there's two sides of that. You know, I thought it was so interesting that the Packers put in an age limit. Like, what an interesting concept to assume someone is, you know, losing their marbles at that point. But then you do have someone at 99 in positions of power. And I don't know if you've ever watched The Righteous Gemstones, but I was just catching up on that the other day. And there's a similar conversation in the show about, you know, the patriarch aging out and the sons wanting to take over, how do you have that sort of conversation in a transition of power? And how do you tell that person, I don't think you're fit to run this organization anymore? So it's, it's a super personal and interesting issue to have like family affairs like that be projected so publicly. Which is why we, ki- we continue to look over the fence that is the Dallas Cowboys for when Jerry finally loses it, what Jerry actually does. I think it's going to be brisket for everybody, only if you wear your underwear on the outside of your pants to the game. I really believe that. I mean, I would do a lot of things for brisket, though, especially in Texas barbecue. I've not found the same quality of brisket up here. So, listen, if things happen to get some brisket at Jerry World, I might be willing. <laughs> I would expect a few creepers to show up on your door with brisket. Rachel, you want to go out? <laughs> listen, Rachel, be good. I, I have protection i have protection we're good okay good stuff rachel i appreciate it as always and uh keep up on the brisket we'll talk to you soon <laughs> bye bill fantastic there you go good stuff from rachel hobmeyer of nbc 26 joining us for a couple of minutes missed some of today's biggest plays the bill michael show podcast is streaming at madcitysportszone.com